Welcome to LSE Tomball, See Me After Class, the podcast where we chat about anything and everything that comes to mind that we can't always cover in class. In each episode, we will be joined by friends, faculty, staff, or enthusiasts to have an informal conversation about topics that interest us. From pop culture to current events, from hobbies to how-tos, we will cover it all with a lighthearted and fun approach. So grab your favorite yummies, get comfy, and join us as we chat and laugh our way through this thing called life. This is See Me After Class from LSE Tomball, and we're so excited to have you here. So let's get started. So, hello everybody. My name is Nura Yesh, and I'm president of Student Government Association, and... I'm Charlie Edwards, your finance secretary, just here to talk about some music today. So today we're starting the conversation with this new podcast and it is called See Me After Class. Basically, See Me After Class is a LSE Tomball podcast and we just want to talk about things that you wouldn't regularly talk about in class. So we have two special guests and I will allow them to introduce themselves in just a moment, but I just want to mention a little bit about what we'll be talking about today. So we will be discussing... um, how music or pop culture materials manifest in society and how they influence people. And we'll also be taking a little dive into Nirvana's album, Nevermind. So I'd like to ask my guests if you'd like to introduce yourselves and tell us what you're interested in. Go ahead. No, it's all you. (laughs) So the first thing I was going to say, I'm Dr. Janie Foluteo. I teach sociology here at the LSE Tomball campus. And the first thing I will say is, you will talk about pop culture in my class <laughs> because it's just part of what I do. And so it's infused in all of my stuff. Um, so not just music, but television, especially because I'm a big TV person. Um, yeah. So that's me. I was going to say the same thing, except different person. Uh, so <laughs> I am Dr. Sean Tiffy. I teach speech here at Tomball and in my class, same thing like you said things we don't talk about in class i was like i literally talked about nirvana today in class i'd like to so. say that i actually took both of their classes so and did I, you ever talk about nirvana we did yeah <laughs> just in general my class for you was dropped and i'm still sad about that oh that's not my fault <laughs> so professor tiffy yes what interests you about the album Nevermind? So here's what I will say um, before I, I pass it off to Dr. Filoteo, who, if I'm not mistaken, I don't think Nevermind hit quite the way for you that it did for me. Mm-hmm. But if I'm also not mistaken, you've got some albums in that same kind of time period um, that did hit for you in a way that, that matters. Um, to me, Nevermind is the soundtrack for Generation X. Uh, and I'll die on that hill. Um, I will say this. I don't... Nevermind's a great album. Mm-hmm. From first track to last track. I don't think there's a bad track on the album. I think it's a fantastic album. And I think that it's Generation X on a stick. But I'm not even saying that it's the best album of 91. Uh, some people will argue it's not even the best album that Nirvana made. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that matters. Uh, I think that... When it came out, the time it came out, the impact that it had, the lyrical content, and just kind of everything about it, it makes it the soundtrack for Generation X. And even if you don't like Nirvana, it doesn't matter. If you were born between 1965 and 1980, how would you just how I'll define Generation X? Never mind is the album that defines your experience. I find it really interesting that you said it hit for you, but it did not hit for you. So I guess my question is, like a sociology question, what determines what people like and don't like in relation to themselves and their experiences? Well, first of all, let me say, nobody at me. Oh, sorry. sorry. (laughs) Love Nirvana, love Nevermind, love me some Foo Fighters. So don't at me, (laughs) right? Right, I love it all. but what I will say is that to answer your question, right, it's all about context. It just depends on who, what, when, where, and how something 
captures you. And I would argue that for Nevermind, right, Nirvana, we've had this discussion yeah. before, right? I think that it speaks to a very specific um, demographic that then became kind of the voice of the whole generation. But if you are not of that particular demographic, I don't know that it captured you in the same way. And by that, I'm saying me, right? It didn't capture me in the same way. Um, but that's okay, because I had other stuff. Um, so I think that answered all your question. Yes. I mean, to bounce off of that, what would you say was more defining for you? So for me personally, mm-hmm. don't at me <laughs> <laughs> again. Um, so my album, right? I am a fan of Gwen Stefani. Um, no doubt, specifically, and then Gwen Stefani now. Um, But I found Just a Girl at a very particular time in my life. And so for, for music, I think that's not just me. I think that's for everybody, right? There are certain songs that you will hear And then all of a sudden you are, it's like a flashbulb memory. You are back at that moment in time, at that memory, you are there. And so for me, I think um, Just a Girl captured a time when for me, my, I was discovering sociology, right? I was trying to figure out who I was as a person, right? I was young enough that I was still like, I don't know who this is going to be. Um, my race, ethnicity, my like had a very specific outcome I was supposed to have. And I wasn't falling in line with that expectation. So I was having to figure all this out. So this song comes along and it just captures like, yes, <laughs> somebody gets it. Which is why I think, never mind. The album, I think that's a lot of people were like, yes, somebody gets it. Um, so that that's kind of a universal thing. But the, the album or the song itself, you know, I, no one else has to be a Gwen Stefani fan. That's okay. okay. So do you have like that particular song that you felt connected to? Like they get me? Well, so for me, the defining song off of Nevermind, not even my favorite song off of Nevermind. But and I'll say this too, I, um, this was some years back, because I've been thinking about this album for a while. Um, I asked a friend of mine, same generation, similar age, I was like, what, what is your favorite song on the album? And uh, he named the song that was my least favorite song on the album. And he said, what's your favorite? And I named the one that was his least favorite song on the album. Now, both of us say they were great. They're just, you know, just kind of, different mm-hmm. which is why different songs will hit differently which is kind of what you're saying so my my favorite song on the album is territorial pissings by far but the defining song of the album is smells like teen spirit i mean it just is like that is so if i argue that nevermind is the soundtrack for generation x which again i'll die on that hill mm-hmm. and you can at me um <laughs> At him, y'all yeah. not me. <laughs> but smells like Teen Spirit, even though it's not my favorite song on the album. That is the anthem for Generation X, in in every way. So for those like me, mm-hmm. um, how would like how would you describe it to me? So what are there certain lyrics? Are there certain phrases? Is there certain sound that is what's defining it for yes, that generation? Yeah, I mean, yes, yes, <laughs> yes to all. If you, it's a brilliantly constructed song. So again, not my favorite, but it is a brilliantly constructed song. Uh, It's uh, the lyrics through, I'll just walk you through it. Okay. Um, (laughs) You have to understand that when this song comes out, there is nothing like it going on in the radio. Um, What's going on in the radio at the time it's very hair metal yes. type stuff. Well, so yeah, hair metal is still going and metal is still kind of king at this time. Um, but that's not necessarily even getting the radio play either. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot of things like, um, oh, what do we got? We got like Amy Grant. Um, even the, you talk about the, the, the 
hair metal. So mm-hmm. bands like Extreme, even at the time when Nirvana, when Nevermind comes out, even Extreme, like they've got that song More Than Words, mm-hmm. which had hit right before Nevermind, which is when they unplug and go acoustic and everything's kind of softer and it's all very happy and everything is very, the world is okay, when it certainly was not. Like for all of Generation X, and I'll speak, probably shouldn't, say i'll speak for an entire generation but i think that a lot of the experiences that the generation had are going to be similar for a lot of people uh which is generation x is known as a cynical generation uh we are known as the latchkey generation uh we grew up in a time when um we we they say that we raised ourselves and the reason why they say that we raised ourselves is because um so uh, no fault, yeah, because we did exactly. Uh, so I guess what um, I'm not gonna get the year exactly right, but no fault divorce becomes okay in like what sixty five or something like that. So divorce rates start to go up substantially um, for for Generation X's parents. Uh, women are becoming uh, more educated and they're going into the workforce in greater numbers. So this notion of both either being raised in a single parent household or having both parents going into the workforce. The reason they called us the latchkey generation is because we would come home from school and we would have our own key or the key would be under the mat or we'd let ourselves in and then lock ourselves away. And then the adults weren't around to raise us. So we raised ourselves. We raised ourselves. Uh, television raised us, music raised us. Like that, that was kind of the defining character or a defining characteristic of, um, of Generation X. And so we're hearing these songs on the radio that I don't believe are representative of the experience that we are, are living, especially because there's a downturn uh, economically. Um, job opportunities are not quite as, as robust as they had been for previous generations. We're raising ourselves. Um, the 80s sees um, health crisis like AIDS. Um, it sees there's, there's a lot of this undercurrent of, of dismay that's happening. And the music on the radio at the time is not reflective of it. So when, when Smells Like Teen Spirit in particular comes out, it's one, first and foremost, it's just different. So I like to kind of think about it in a couple of different ways. And I'm sorry, I don't mean to monopolize this, this uh, particular portion, but you asked what makes a song unique. Uh, <laughs> it starts off with this dry um, guitar that's, that's lo-fi and scratchy and play kind of sloppy and then the drums come in and it goes off like a bomb. And one of the things that Nirvana liked to, to do is they wanted this very, this, this this loud, quiet, loud dynamic, which they stole, to be honest with you, from, from the, the Pixies. Pixies. Yep. Yeah, they stole it from the Pixies and Steve Albini, who mm-hmm. produces their album in utero, which comes after Nevermind. Uh, but it's that loud, quiet, loud dynamic. And so what Cobain likes to do is he uses a, a distortion pedal that he can shut on and off very quickly. So it can go from loud, distorted to very soft. And so it goes from this dry guitar to this ultra loud, distorted guitar, and then cuts off immediately to where it's just the bass and this wide kind of chorus, ethereal sounding guitar as he goes to the lyrics. And then in the pre-chorus into the chorus, it goes loud again. Um, and so it's got verse, chorus, verse in your traditional kind of pop song format into a guitar solo that just follows the melody line of the um, verse, which is kind of a cop out. So grunge and Nirvana and a lot of these bands, they didn't get rid of the guitar. They said that grunge killed the guitar solo, but that's not true. They just kind of changed the way it got done. And so they change it to this melody line and it goes into the third verse, which to me, that's you, you ask about it if it's lyrically mm-hmm. important. I think so. I think it's structurally important because there's this guitar solo that ends with a single held note that then when the third verse comes in, turns into feedback and they use feedback in a very musical way that hadn't been done much since like the 60s, fuzz pedals, Jimi Hendrix kind of stuff. Um, and that third verse uh, to me is 
the most Generation X verse of all time. Um, it's um, the uh, how does it's um? I think you want to sing it. Yeah, Go yeah. Ahead. No, I, do, I, do want, I, I do want to sing it. I'm not going to do it. Do it. So, do it. Uh, it ends with um, it's so hard. It's hard to find. Oh well, whatever. Never mind. Which is just this nihilistic, dismissive. It's angry and apathetic all at the same time. And then it leads into that kind of final verse. And bear in mind that the average length of a song right now is like two and a half minutes going up to three minutes, something like that. If you listen to Smells Like Teen Spirit, the last 30 seconds of the song is just Kurt Cobain screaming a denial for 30 seconds until his voice ultimately gives out. Um, and to give that much airtime to just the voice of a generation telling everybody who's a gatekeeper and everybody who's in power, I deny everything you stand for. And to let radio stations play that for 30 seconds straight. That's a lot of airtime. That's a lot of ad time. Powerful message. I think it is. And I think that that's a very Gen X kind of thing to say. Naturally, I have a different take. By all means, yes. <laughs> We'd love to hear it. Well, because it's not a it's a yes and situation. Yeah. Not denying any, right? I, I, I'm denial. on board, right? Not a denial, <laughs> right, ironically, right. not a denial. Yeah. Um, I wish I was clever enough to have one. But I do think that to me, right, one of the things I think that song speaks to me, which is why I think it, I, I love it when students, um, you know, I'm like, but do y'all, do y'all know what teen spirit is? For me, it's the irony of the fact that we have been ignored, right? We've been on our own. We had parents who were like, go and like come home at dark so that I can say I know where you were, but then go to your room and games or TV or I don't care. Just (laughs) do your thing. So the first time that I feel like we're getting attention, right? It's for marketing purposes. It's because we needed a new consumer group. And so it was like teenagers, oh, all of a sudden, we've got this whole new like segmented market that we can, MTV, it's your TV. So the first time we have attention, it's not because people are like, oh yeah, like let's pay attention to you. It's because, oh, y'all have some money to spend and we wanna get that money. It's not care. It's not care at all. It's like this false, created which adds to our cynicism and our like and this is why we hate all (laughs) y'all so to bounce off that though is that the second song and bloom mentioned specifically come listen to the pretty songs so that kind of piggybacks off what you're saying is that you have people who don't understand what's going on that are just listening to it for the appeal well and right it's Who's getting to define pretty, right? Who's getting to define the nice, like, poppy, we can fit it into an app. Wait, there's, <clears throat> excuse me. There's enough time for the DJ to, this is back when we still had DJs. Um, there's enough time for the DJ to, like, okay, like, we can we can do our, like, marketing stuff or what's coming up next. But you can hear the song, and it's nice, and, and, it's, and it's sequenced, and there's, you can expect. Um, but, again, it's not a knock, against anybody i'm a good i love a good pop you know song that you can sing along to um give me some shalalas and nananas i'm on i'm on board i'm in but right that is a very specific type of thing so it's a yes and yeah i was gonna say i don't know if that's necessarily a uh, a denial um i am of the opinion that so Nirvana starts on Sub Pop, which is that kind of that's, that's the, the independent label coming out of that um, Pacific Northwest. And they move to a major label for Nevermind, which gives them wide release they didn't have with their first album, Bleach. So I'm totally on board there. Um, and that there is an argument that could be made that the gatekeepers of major labels realize that one, there is this undercurrent of angst and we can cash in on it. And they let Nirvana go from Sub Pop to Geffen, which gives them that wider appeal. Um, and that could also then mean that it is one of these um, 
artificial revolutions that kind of can happen at this at the art level or the culture level that allows a, and I and I'm with you here where it's almost like a release valve to where it, it lets it lets the revolution happen without all the messiness of revolution kind of thing um, and the gatekeepers get to make money off of the res- revolution as well but that does not deny what I'm saying which is it still stands as the anthem slash soundtrack for a generation. And this might be one that ultimately gets co-opted by the gatekeepers. So I have a question about that. You, you mentioned the word angst, and I listened to the full album, I read the lyrics, and to me it sounds very loud, sounds very angry. What was the word that you said you heard repeatedly over and over again? Guns. And so I heard that a lot. And I just want to note, like, at that time period, what was the state of the country when this was like published? Was it 1991, right? Yeah, so Nevermind comes out in September of 91. But it honestly, so interestingly, I say that Nevermind released in 91, but it's the best album of 92. Because it, it really it takes about three, four months for it to even kind of catch on and to get traction. Um, it starts to slowly get that way at the beginning. MTV puts Smells Like Teen Spirit into rotation in their alternative l- segment late night. And then it gets mainstream rotation as it's starting to get more and more popular. But it's not until January of 92 when the album really kind of hits. So, yes, technically it's released in September of 91. But I believe it to be the most important album, 92. And when you say, what's the country like? Yeah, that's a tough question to answer. I can tell you what the country was like from my perspective. That won't necessarily be what it's going to be like from Dr. Filoteo's perspective. Um, Again, I do think there's a lot of overlap in that I say latchkey kid and all of Generation X is like, yep. Uh, I say things like um, uh, uh, change in uh, family... Values, mores, uh, the dynamics. Yeah, I like that word too. So we have a lot more single parent households. As a result, because you live in maybe in a single parent household, they're bringing, they're dating, right? Mm -hmm. So you, as opposed to maybe a child of a boomer generation, which it was always, you know, a two parent household and that that was the couple. Now maybe you live with mom or you live with dad and you see them bringing in one or more people they're dating over time mm-hmm. and so you're starting to see this this dating as you're growing up and coming into your own you're seeing them dating you're seeing different dating dynamics uh and then uh, there's the aids crisis like i said in the 80s which prompts sex ed classes in high schools and a big part of that messaging is sex will kill you and so you have all of this these these um messaging that's kind of coming in um that I think manifest themselves in a variety of different ways, referencing back now to even lyrics in Teen Spirit, where um, Cobain says, I feel stupid and contagious, mm-hmm. which I don't know if that was in, like he's not saying, I will write a line now about the AIDS crisis of the 80s, but it's when those things are kind of in you. Like subconscious. Yeah, it kind of comes out that way. So I, I don't think I feel comfortable answering your question, what was it like? for everyone. Mm-hmm. I think there were some defining characteristics the gener- that everybody in the generation can kind of latch onto, but it's going to be different. And my experience is not going to be Dr. Filoteo's experience. So Dr. Filoteo, at the beginning you were talking about how the album probably hit certain demographics than others. So with that, how would you kind of answer the question like what, how did this, who did this album really impact? Generally. So, this is a, a cro- I think this is a, this is not just a specific to nevermind thing. I think that in general, right, mm-hmm. especially when you're talking about speaking for a generation or you're talking about, you know, like what do, what is it that people like? I think that the default is often a white middle class kind of perspective. And I want to be very clear about <laughs> um, that is not to say that if you are not white or middle class or male that does not mean that you also don't like I'm not saying you don't you don't enjoy this I'm just saying that I think that by default a lot of what ends up being kind of upheld and so folks that 
don't find themselves right in that necessarily demographic it's like well yeah I, I dig it but it I don't know if it captures me or my experience because there's something about this that kind of sets me apart mm-hmm. um for me right like I like geographically right I grew up um San Antonio Texas right so we had Selena <laughs> and we had George Strait right so it was this kind of so Nirvana to come along right and it was like oh man it's like you're it you're caught in this kind of nether, I was caught in another world where it wasn't, I wasn't fully this, I wasn't fully that. This also wasn't fully me and trying to navigate all of that. And that, I think that default to white middle class of what we think is happening for youth in general isn't something that happens at just this generation. I think it happens for all generations, it happens by default. So it's really about identity and who you are and who you're becoming. And then like you're saying geography. So if you were in San Antonio and you were exposed to that type of music. So when you're saying raised by pop culture, then it really depends on where you are. Oh, I couldn't agree with that more. Cause I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say this. I agree with what you're saying, but you also said, you know, San Antonio, which is an urban environment, which is 100%. a big city. And what y'all, and I, I don't mean to, <laughs> what you, you with her? Whippersnappers don't understand. Sadly, it is going to be kind of one of those things, which is that back when, um, when Nevermind comes out, you have to understand things are consumed. Music is consumed fundamentally differently mm-hmm. at that time. So there's, there's, you know, there's no Spotify. There's, there's no Pandora. Um, there's not even, you know, Sirius or any of the satellite. It's all terrestrial radio. So you get the, the music you get access to is what's going to get played on terrestrial radio, like FM stations, mm-hmm. or it's going to be what you can get in your record store. And if you are lucky, you live in a city like San Antonio or for me, an Austin, which has independent record stores where you can find these kind of the labels where some of this alternative music is coming out. So SST or uh, out of uh, LA or Discord out of DC that's going to have some you know punk or hardcore that that kind of stuff. And what was interesting is when you if you did get an independent record store and you bought that Black Flag album inside of the album is going to be a mailing list. Um, to get on an order list to get more albums from these labels. Because if you're living in Topeka, you don't get, there's not an independent record store there, which means you literally, you don't hear it on the radio. There's no internet to know these bands even exist. You might hear through the grapevine about these kinds of bands, but they don't tour to your, to, to, to the Midwest. You don't have a record store. You can buy it. You don't hear it on the radio. You know, it's out there, but you literally can't get it. And so now there's this whole underground scene of zines of tape trading where people will literally, you'll, you'll record something and trade with somebody else because then for y'all 10 bucks a month, Spotify gives you everything or, or, or I just, I don't want to, um, just use one, a service, yeah. a music service, get you everything. Whereas I had to scrimp and save up all I could. I got to buy one record a month or two records a month or something like that. And I had to make sure it was a good one because I didn't want to blow my allowance on, you know, the crummy record or Take something like that. Yeah, exactly. I, I had to know this was going to be good. This was going to be worth mm-hmm. having something like that. And I was lucky because I was in Austin. You were lucky because you were in San Antonio. We had access to that, but you know, Midwest, Nebraska, Omaha, you don't get access to it. And so you really are limited to what you're going to hear on FM radio. And that's why I say when Smells Like Teen Spirit hits, it blows open a whole new world. Because one, you now have exposure to it. Two, your mainstream record stores are going to start carrying those albums, which means now you can buy it. And once you get access to it, it's a whole new world. Because there's only a handful, I'd say 15, 20 cities or so, where you can get access to this stuff in 89, 90, 91. Yeah. So when I say, right, that white middle class, you, for some people to get access to it, right, you had to have a friend who was like, 
hey, I made you a copy of this. You need to check this out because mm-hmm. I think you'll like it. And so sometimes you were introduced based on who your peers were. But if you are hanging around a specific circle, right, we know from sociology class, we are typically going to hang around with people who are very similar to us. Mm-hmm. So they're right. You're exposing each other to some of the same things. So it takes you being from an outside of a particular group to have an entryway into like, oh, I didn't realize this was out there. I want you. I, I dug it. Give me some more of this stuff. But right. But you can't exchange your. You can't exchange your Amy Grant for Nirvana. <laughs> That's an odd trade. <laughs> but I'll, I'll do it. Yeah. Right. So, question is that you said your favorite song from the album is Territorial Pissings. Yes. Would you have a favorite, Doteo? Um, yeah, I'm going to say Smells Like Teen yeah. Spirit. Um, only because... So here's what I like about kind of here's what I like about Nirvana, um, very much to Nirvana's dismay probably, is right the the folks that are of our age we became the music directors and we became all of the people who get to choose the songs for like the movie scene or this TV show, and so I. It's not surprising to me, right, that my favorite versions of Nirvana are when it's being reimagined for a particular pop culture scene. So does it necessarily make it more relatable to you or was it just appealing? Well, I think that um, that's part, again, right, that's part of how we discover music. We didn't have, right, right, we didn't have, like, YouTube that could just, I could just Google, like, what else has this done? So today, right, if I'm watching a TV show and there's this scene and it just, like, you can hear that background music and you're like, oh, my gosh, like, I'm there with this scene. What do we all do? Like, oh, let me get my phone and what song is it? Or like, oh, and then all of a sudden you're like, I discovered this artist because it's all digital and it's all there. We didn't have that, <laughs> right? So for me, right, that accessibility changes then how those things hit. Because now it's not just so back, you know, when I was a kid, I was like, it takes me back to that moment in time because that's the only time you get to hear that music. Today, it's like, oh, I have that memory because they used it in that movie and they remixed it or they did a cover of it and that cover is awesome. It's the same song. It's just not how I remember growing it up. And I can have both of those experiences. Um, so it's just kind of how you, it's a different way. Do you guys find yourself liking the original rather than what's being recreated now? So I'll say Teen Spirit I say it's a beautifully constructed song, and I really do think that it is a very well-constructed song, which is why it's got so many different versions. Like, Tori Amos does a fantastic version of it. I mean, it's beautiful. Um, but it's not the, I mean, it's not right. Same thing, but different. She does a beautiful version of it, but I'm not going to... I'm not going to... I'm going to go home, and I'm going to listen. I'm telling you right now. I'm going to listen to Nevermind from top to bottom. And I'm not going to go listen to the Tori Amos version because while I think she does a great job, it's not the same. Yeah. So that's, I think what I'm trying to get out, like the same feeling, like how does Nevermind, when you first heard it, like the impact to today, like that you're always wanting to go back and you're calling that home. So why? I'm about to go off on a tangent, so I'm gonna I'm gonna invite <laughs> you to before before I derail the whole thing. I'm gonna. I, I don't know that I would not take us on okay, a tangent, okay, sure. um, but I, it's just what I said earlier, right? Like I, the second that I hear those first two, like those first two notes, it does to this day, right? If I know that I'm having a particularly rough day, if I know that I have to go do something, or it doesn't, it has to, it, I had a fantastic day. I'm gonna play this song. And I, or if I just am switching, you know, 
XM stations um, and it just happens to be on a station, I'm like, yes, or I'm in a store, yes. It's going to pump me up because for me, that song has been with now Gwen Stefani, right? No doubt. When I say she's provided the soundtrack of my life, I mean that literally because we've had parallel experiences and those experiences have gone into those lyrics. So when I'm like, oh, yeah, um, don't at me, but not so much on the current end, but that's okay. She's in a different phase. That's all right. We can have different phases. Um, but it doesn't change that that, again, like I said, that memory. I have a memory from childhood um, that I didn't even know I had. Um, I was at a concert in Vegas and I grew up, you know, my parents, um, you know, Motown was the sound of our <laughs> generation or parents' generation. So I grew up on Motown and this group goes up to the stage and they start um, Tears of a Clown. And it's a beautiful acapella version. And halfway through the song, I am like sobbing. And like people who are with me are like, you okay? <laughs> and I was like, eh, 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 I didn't know. and I was back in my childhood to this memory I didn't even know that I had, let alone that I was like cold. Like I didn't even know I had had the memory. Didn't even know it was a fond memory. <laughs> and I could smell the barbecue. I could feel the river water because it was we were you know it was a big family thing. Um, it was, you know, I, not to get all personal, but my family isn't my family history and dynamic and it's not exactly the easiest. So to have this memory and I'm like, oh my gosh, um, with uncles who are just no longer with us, it was, I didn't even know I had. And for me, that's the power I think of any type of music is that it can take you back to, it, it can simultaneously take you back to where you were mm -hmm. and help you reflect on where you are. So. All, I feel like connections are like very emotional, like music is very emotional and whether you like something or you don't is really dependent on your perspective and like where it takes you back to. It's so interesting. Yeah. Can I ask you a question? <laughs> I want to steal your job for just a second Sorry. if you don't mind. <laughs> <laughs> just a girl. That's your song, right? right. That's your jam. Okay. Mm -hmm. So um, <laughs> do you do you listen to it? When you're happy and you want to amp it up or when you're bummed and you want to get back to a happy place or both or like what is, what's that yes. song in particular what does it do how do you use that i guess is my question yes um i use it when i'm amped up yeah and i'm like yeah i also use it when i need to like if i know i'm going to go into a difficult situation um a meeting i don't want to have or or you know like oh, I have to have a difficult conversation. Um, it is also like my like all right. I need a song, and and just a girl, because it captures an anger, <laughs> right? Yeah. It captures an anger of like, um, you know, I, I'm like the, all these things I can't do, right? Here's all of these things I'm limited by because of my gender, and like it sucks and. Like, yes, and it doesn't have to be this way. And it does, like, I don't have to now, right, being able to be much more adult about it. <laughs> really, I am. Huh? Um, I don't just play one on TV. Um, then it also helps me reflect on, like, yeah, like, you were different at, you know, 20 yeah. than you are um, when you're 40. Yeah. Do you all know Just a Girl? Yes. The song? Yes. Oh, Nora, you got to hear it. No, no. In fact, I will say to, so the album, no, no doubt, Tragic Kingdom, that album, that was a big album at the time as well. Um, there were several songs on, on that album that are quite good. So uh, I asked you to listen to Nevermind from top to bottom. Yes. And, you sound, and I appreciate you doing that for me. <laughs> I'm also going to ask that you go listen to Tragic Kingdom from top to bottom. I will do that. Yeah, I'll let a, you know. Yeah. So before you go on another question, I see you're ready over there. Is I want to know why Territorial Pissings for you was so influential. Why, why was your favorite yeah. album on the song? Because my first take on it, yeah, I've listened to it since I was a kid, but now yeah. I'm listening to it older. It just still sounds extremely rough. And like I looked up the history, and like he plugged in directly instead of doing it how they traditionally did it, because so, that was the purpose. But why does it speak to you? 
so I am an old school punk rock guy. Uh, I like punk rock from 76 to 84. Um, that's the, the kind of, from the first Ramones album until the last Black Flag release. To me, that's the golden era of punk rock. Um, so when grunge kind of comes around, people say grunge is distinct from punk. And I mean, yeah, kind of. But to me, grunge is just a new iteration of punk rock. Um, Territorial Pissings is that old school 76 to 84 punk, punk rock sound. That's what I heard yeah. when I listened to it was it made me think of that's what it shows is. That, like watched whenever it was recorded in London and they did the underground shows. That's what I thought of. Yeah. And again, that's why I was curious why it spoke to you. And then, well, because that's that's okay. the yeah, I mean, I like grunge and then and I like I like new punk rock too, but to me, man, 76 to 84, like that era, you can't beat it for me. And that the song of that, that's the song on the album that's the most like that. Okay. Yeah. So do y'all, there's a song that isn't on most versions of the album, Endless Nameless. Do you know the song I'm referring to? Is that a yes and a no? Another no. Why do you think it's it, noise? <laughs> it is. Yeah. If you listen to it, it's rough. But why do you think it was important that it was on the album, but it's not on the album, if that makes sense? Well, so um, it does Let's see if I get this right. Don't quote me on this. And you, you probably can correct me because I think maybe. you may have done more. It's not on the cassette release. It's not on the vinyl release. It exists as a hidden track on the CD release, if I'm not mistaken. And if I if I remember correctly, Nirvana would close their live shows. So Endless song. Nameless, it, when I say it's noise, it really is just kind of a lot of noise. And um, Nirvana has gone on record as saying they would, at the end of shows, Cobain would jump into the drum kit and they would throw their, uh, they would wreck their amps. Cobain was notorious breaking for breaking his guitar in half. Um, Dave Grohl said that he used to have to, every on, on tour, every town they would go to, every city they would go to, because Cobain was a left-handed guitarist, and it wasn't always easy to find left-handed guitars back then. They would go to pawn shops, they would go to guitars, and they would look for left-handed Fenders, which is what Cobain liked to play, knowing that he was going to wreck it on stage at some point, and they just needed a replacement or the otherwise how they could put on the show. And they said they liked to do it because if you broke your guitar and you wrecked your amp and you jumped into the drum kit, you couldn't have to do an encore. Like, they wouldn't make you play anymore because all your stuff was wrecked. So it was a way to get off stage. And Endless Nameless is the song. It's just noise it's just them wrecking stuff it's just it is the song of them destroying their equipment um it i it's i guess it's the only i say there's not a bad track on the album i don't consider That's that rough. to be part of the album yeah i don't listen to endless from what i understand it was not even intentionally made it was that they tried recording lithium or they tried doing another song and then they he failed at it so it just turned into a rant of him yelling and screaming and then breaking stuff yeah and it turned into a new tradition for the band so do y'all think that means something about the time period that's pretty angry nirvana's angry i yeah. um i mean they yeah nirvana is angry and i think that but i'll go back to my statement at the at the at the uh, beginning of this, which is, I think that they are that the Nevermind is the soundtrack for a generation. Teen Spirit is the anthem for a generation. Yes, Nirvana is angry. Yes, Nevermind. They don't. They went on record as saying they didn't like it because it was too smooth. It was too clean. Uh, they didn't like the production of it. Although they did that in hindsight. Um, but I think the generation is angry. I think Generation X, in my opinion, is marked by angst. It is marked by anger. It is marked by a lack that we attempt to fill and can never do so. And yeah, and that's why I think that Nevermind is important because it is still angry. Mad? Yeah. Why'd you ask me that? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and I was just gonna say, even Tragic Kingdom, right? Um, the the it's about the disillusionment of an entire generation, right? We grew up, I, and again, not every single person, right. so, <laughs> um, but I think a lot of us grew up with parents who were sold, right? This is how life is going to work, and then it didn't work out that way. Mm -hmm. So we had to see them 
implode or right having to kind of like you know marriages you know ending and relationships ending so So if our parents right don't have their stuff together (laughs) what hope did we have right is like well crud y'all are the adults and if y'all don't have it together like what chance are we going to have to get it together and now all of a sudden we're supposed to be adults and so my point was tragic kingdom right it's written because um no doubt anaheim in the shadows of the magic kingdom and so right even that that disillusionment is even in well, and it's in the artwork too, right? Because they're Orange County, but right. do you, am I right about this? On the back of the albums, like all the rotting orange fruits, right? right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. So do you? So y'all feel let down in a way because you expected something and it didn't happen. That's the difference, I think. I'm sorry, no, no, interrupted. No, you, you, you go. I, I, I think that's the difference. We weren't let down because we never had it to begin with. Oh, Our okay, parents were let down. Okay. They were like, huh? We were, and we were like, <laughs> like no, like no one told you it was gonna like that was on okay. you. We never even had the dream to be disappointed in it. We were just, we just knew we were never gonna get it or something. Yeah, we weren't. We're not the let down generation. We are the forgotten generation, and that persists even today. If you look at who are the, the the generational fights between? It's boomers and millennials. It's millennials and Gen Z. It's right and yes. and nobody says anything about Generation X because they forget we exist. So y'all are still we're forgotten. Always on the sideline, just I'm watching. Sorry. No man, we're comfortable there. Uh, I mean, that's, 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 that's what it's like, always been. Man. We have the eighties yeah. party. We could do a Gen X party. <laughs> we can do that. So. I think none of us would show up. That sounds like a lot of work and a lot of people, man. <laughs> that's, that's, so we'll make cassette tapes and then we'll hand them out. <laughs> we'll there you go. That's, yeah. So I think a good wrap up is that, well, we're all pretty much in the honors college and we like to have a significance. So I guess my question would be, do you think that this album is appropriate again in today's culture or time? Are there any specific song, lyrics, or themes that you can relate from that album to us today? I will go back to what I said at the very beginning, which is I think Nevermind is a great album. Mm -hmm. I think that it holds up, and the songs are good, and it's a good album. But it went off like a bomb in 91 or 92. It changed music. Mm-hmm. It changed society. It meant something. Do we need that to, again? Well, yeah, but today it's just a good album. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't, it doesn't hit the way it did then. Now it's just 12 really good songs. And it's just like a different audience. So well, I see. And you talk about Gen X being forgotten. It's that also people don't understand the lyrics of, or the purpose of the whole album, never mind, anyways. People listen to half of them. There's like, oh man, I love that song. I've heard it for. Do you know what Polly's about? No. What's it about? And then you go to explain details, and people get a little shocked, and they get put away by it. Which happened to me today. Yeah, because I I gave her some breakdowns of some of the songs, yes. specifically Polly. So never mind. Is very intentional. Uh, Bleach was not really. Uh, the lyrics in Bleach were more just. Cobain said he was lazy with his lyric writing and that he would just kind of put stuff down that fit, uh, but didn't really mean anything. And he was getting asked, like, what do your lyrics mean? And he never really had a great answer for it because they didn't really mean a whole lot. And so Nevermind is very intentional with the lyric writing. So there's a lot more. You can say this is what this song is about or this is what this song is intended to represent, um, whereas you couldn't do that before. Um, And you're right that in some ways, what is it now? It's what, 30 plus years old. Um, no one has to do math. I'm sorry. Mom, <laughs> it's not 30 years old. It was like, a, was like two, two, three weeks old. Right. <laughs> the album. Um, you're right. When, when it gets removed from that historical context, the songs are still good, but they're not impact urgent anymore. Okay. Yeah. It's, I, I don't know if urgent is the word that I would use, but I do think that the reason why I think a lot of folks, right, a lot of our students have the Nevermind shirts and stuff is not just because we, right, we're the generation that, like, 
the way our parents, we grew up on Motown and you're like, you know, they're growing up on Nirvana. Um, but I do think that there is, I will argue that there's a universality in a particular time in people's life course, right? As young people trying to figure out the world and trying to figure out our place in it and trying to figure out how do we make sense of it and how do we move forward? And I think that's where, I do think there's a, I think that's something that helps folks relate to even today, even despite it being a totally different context and totally different way when it was coming out. That's at least what I like to think. And actually, I, I agree with what Dr. Filateo is saying. In that case, you can't ask me, do I think Nevermind hits the way it that it does? Us. You just listened to it top to bottom for the first time week, two weeks ago, whenever it was. I'll ask you, how did it hit for you? Not much. Not much? <laughs> there were some songs yeah. I liked. <laughs> there are some songs I liked, but... I didn't really have a connection to it and I tried reading the lyrics like, but there's no connective meaning to me. Like the songs I like, I like it. I like the sound. Try, 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 try Tragic Kingdom and then get back to it. Okay. <laughs> to piggyback off that, I mean, before I understood like actually meanings behind songs, looked into things, I listened to it when I was younger. We have a 10 year age gap. And for me, it was that I didn't have a way to express my anger verbally or physically or even know how to communicate it. So just listening to music that was angst filled and something that was really quick and something just people screaming and angry, then it helped me get out of my system. So to me, it still fits. Is that there's still lots of people that still feel the same way, except for they just have different ways to express it now. Is that there's screamo, there's death metal, there's all these other things that are I would argue way heavier and I mean, it still fits. It's just, there's different avenues for people to go down now. And that's the joy of music is that it does give folks a way to express whether that expression is like, I'm really hella angry or I really need to get pumped up or I'm in love with you and I'm going to write this really sappy or the best part, right? I'm going to write a whole breakup album. <laughs> T-Swift. I was about to say T-Swift, yeah. I was, see, I was going to go Alanis. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, oh, okay, Noor, Jagged Little Pill. Do you know that album? No. Do you know Jagged Little Pill? We no. talked okay, about Jagged don't. Little Pill okay. in our EDUC class because we can't help ourselves. I'm going I'm to lose any and all pun cred I got right now, but Jagged Little Pill is a good album. It is fantastic. you got to listen to that so one. So I have yeah. two albums I need to listen to, right? Mm-hmm. You have more than two, but oh, you've been assigned okay. two right now. Okay, That's okay. correct. Yes. Sounds good. Yep. All right. Um, thank you guys so much for coming on this podcast with us. I really enjoy the conversation. I really find it interesting how perspectives change throughout time and the reasons why people think a certain way. I just find that really interesting. So I really appreciate y'all coming out and having this conversation with so us. So what's next time, Just a Girl? Next time is... You will see. (laughs) So uh, thank you guys for watching and see you next time.